Hello everyone, my name is Arti and this is the Mahabharata. Episode 5 Joker to Batman and Lecturing Lizards in our last episode, we talked about the death of Parikshit by snakebite at the perfidious fangs of Takshaka, the snake king. Utanka, the cantankerous just-graduated Brahmin student, is exposing the story to Parikshit's son, Janamejaya. Of course, we know that Utanka has his own axe to grind against Takshaka for making his life miserable during his disciples' quest. So his plan now is to weaponize Janamejaya to exact revenge for him. So now we're understanding some of the crazy stuff of our opening frame. Why is Janamejaya frying snakes? Now we know. He's avenging the death of his father in a typically Kshatriya, reasonable, balanced, measured sort of way. And we also understand why we had to hear the Guru Shishya or Master Disciple stories, which seemed at the time to have absolutely nothing to do with anything. We were wending our way to Utanka, who is the troublemaking Ajahn provocateur or instigator of the whole snake sacrifice. So, everybody caught up? We've now understood some of the opening of the Adi Parva, or the first book which, if you've tried reading it, typically makes you run for the door like your brain's on fire. Today we're on to something entirely new, or so it seems. We're back in the forest, to the original setting where we entered the text. Everybody's been on a restroom break, so to speak, and our bard, Ugrishrava, remember him, narrator too, our Hitchcock, the teller of ferocious tales? Ugrashrava is preparing to continue his narration when Shonaka, the chief of the Brahmins, asks a question. He says, Look, this is all really great, this Mahabharata stuff and all, but first, let's talk about me. I mean, why don't you tell us about my family lineage, about the Bhargava Brahmins? Now, in many Hindu texts, the Bhargavas are a great and eminent lineage of Brahmins and their stories represent a veritable treasure trove of tales. So now, before we get to the highway of the P's and the K's, we're going to take a detour through Bhargava Lane. Ugrashrava begins. The Bhargava lineage, he says, is so-called because it begins with the legendary sage Bhrigu, who, shall we say, has been there since the beginning of time. What does that mean? Mm, we'll sort that out later. Bhrigu had a beautiful young wife named Puloma, who was pregnant with her first child. The Rakshasa Puloman spied her one day and fell in love with her instantly. What is a Rakshasa? That's a million dollar question we'll tackle properly in a few weeks. But for the moment, let's say that Rakshasas are physically very powerful beings, prone to violence and not overburdened by scruple. Now I know what you're thinking. 
doesn't that describe a rather sizable proportion of creatures in the world, including gods, kshatriyas, armies, police? Mm, you have a point. But in the ranks of powerful superheroes, Rakshasas are more Joker than Batman, especially if Joker eats humans, because Rakshasas are often described as man-eating giants. But there are good Rakshasas and bad ones, and I promise one day we're going to have a proper sit-down conversation just a few episodes down the road. So, the Rakshasa Puloman falls in love with Prigu's smoking hot but pregnant wife, Puloma. I'm thinking mid-90s Berlin nightclub, booming techno music, and pretty Paloma is on a final girls' night out before she's stuck at home with the baby. The Rakshasa is cruising the scene with a beer in his hand. He leans over to the god Agni sitting morosely at the bar, and he asks him, Who is that divine creature? Do you know if she's with someone? Agni kind of terrified that he's going to get gobbled by the burly Rakshasa, whispers that she belongs to the sage Brigu. The very name sets the Rakshasa off. Hey, she was supposed to be mine, he yells. She was betrothed to me, and that so-and-so Brigu stole her away. I want my woman back. So what does he do? He knocks back his beer and does what many men do in the epics. He tries to carry her off by force. Now, before you react, dear reader, let me say that kidnapping is the favoured form of courtship among a certain set of characters in our epics. In fact, as we shall shortly see, some of our most beloved heroes are going to profess true love in precisely this way. But back to our story. Our club is in chaos. Puloma is being violently kidnapped, and as she screams and resists, she miscarries. And her son drops like a rock from her womb. For this, he is called Chevan, which literally means something like he who fell. Because how do you live that story down? Now, newborn Chevan is imbued with his daddy's tapas which is so intense that just setting eyes on Brigu's baby, the Rakshasa falls into a massive heap of ash. And that's the end of Crash and Carry for our Rakshasa Puloman. But of course, we were never interested in him. We're interested in the Bhargava lineage, remember? So all of that has been to say that Brigu's son is Chivan, the one who fell down, this Chivan son is Pramati, and Pramati's son is Ruru, who is our listener Shornika's grandfather. Don't worry if you didn't get all of that. None of these people matter for our purposes. We're just trying to work our way to Ruru, Shornika's grandfather. He also doesn't matter in the bigger scheme of things, but he's our subject for today. Ruru grows up and falls madly in love with a dazzlingly beautiful woman named Pramadvara. Stunning though she is, we're going to give her a zero on our scale, because after today, we're not going to see her again. Pramadvara is the daughter of the Apsara, or divine nymph, named Menaka. Let's give her a two. 
and her father is the king of the Gandharvas or elves named Vishwavasu, who is sperm donor level of minus zero. Now, those of you already familiar with Hindu myth will know that Apsaras are ethereally gorgeous, polyamorous seductresses who live mostly in the heavens and, shall we say, get around a bit. They're mostly single and somewhat promiscuous, sometimes of their own desire, but more often they're commissioned by the gods. Menaka is one of the most famous of these Apsaras, and through this fling with the Gandharva Vishwavasu, she gives birth to a dainty baby girl, adorable like herself. What does she do with the little darling? Exactly what you would imagine a new mother to do, right after giving birth. She leaves her on a rock by a stream in the woods, and she returns to heaven. Now I'm hearing you gasp and you're demanding, why? Was there no room for the baby in heaven? Is Svarglok a child-free zone? Could she not afford to feed her as a single mother? We just don't know. All we can suppose is that the baby was, as Indian matrimonials often have it, an encumbrance. But don't be shocked, dear reader. This is not the last time we're going to see reckless child abandonment in our text. If you're a student of Sanskrit literature and have read your Abhijnana Shakuntalam, you know that Menaka in particular is a repeat offender. Fortunately, our girl survives. She's found by a hermit or muni named Stulkesha, whose name literally means big hair. Let's give him a zero on our scale. Anyway, Muni Big Hair adopts Pramadvara and rears her as his own daughter. Pramadvara grows up to be a bewitchingly enticing woman like her mother. Short story, our Bhargava hero Ruru, remember him? We just met Shonaka's grandfather, falls madly in love with her and they marry. So all is going blissfully and then tragedy strikes. I'm going to give you three guesses as to how the lovely Pramadvara dies. Was she hit by a runaway bullock cart? No. Was there a cow stampede and she somehow got caught underfoot? No. Was she consumed by plague? No. Let's say it all together. She died of snake bite. Back to poor dead Pramadvara, still looking sweet and alluring even in death. Her husband Ruru is beside himself with anguish. This can't be happening, he says. I did not just find the perfect woman in the world and then lose her to death. No way am I accepting this. Ruru pleads with all the sages around him to help him. But who has a cure for death? Finally, Somebody lets him in on a secret. The ancient gods, the guy tells Ruru, devised one solution for a problem like this. But it carries a big cost. Do you think you'll be able to bear it? I'll do anything, says Ruru passionately. I'll do anything. In that case, says the Muni, if you bestow half your own life on your wife, she will rise up as if she's just been sleeping.
done, says Ruru. I hereby bestow half my life upon my beloved. Let my bride rise from death as if waking from slumber. And lo and behold, Pramadvara sits up, rubbing her eyes as if she's just been napping. Ruru is thrilled with relief to have his wife back. Only now he's angry. He's pretty peeved over all he and his wife have suffered, so he does what we expect real men to do. He vows revenge. Yep, every snake he encounters, he smacks it down mercilessly. He's a one-man snake-whacking army. One day, he comes upon a funny-looking snake, and he's lifting up his staff to beat it like the staff of time when the snake starts crying. Please don't beat me, please don't beat me, it says. Why are you hitting me? You're supposed to be a Brahmin. I can't help it, says Ruru. I hate snakes, and I've sworn to kill every snake I see. So, sorry, buddy, you have to die. But I'm not even a snake, says the funny-looking snake. I am a lizard. Why are you killing me? Now Ruru is really confused. He'd bunked school the day they covered herpetology in biology class and was unclear where a snake ends and a lizard begins. While he's pondering the issue, the weird snake presses its advantage. Look, he says, you shouldn't even be doing this. I mean, you're a Brahmin. Violence doesn't befit you. Brahmins are supposed to be gentle and forgiving. Violence is for, you know, Kshatriyas. This is all news to Ruru. He'd skipped ethics class too. What do you mean, he says. How do you know this? And who are you, anyway? Then the snake story comes out. The lizard tells his story. He was once a great rishi by the name of, are you ready for this, everyone? Ruru. Yes, Ruru. The same as our snake-murdering Ruru. What a crazy coincidence, you say. What are the chances? And I agree, but just hold on to that thought until our next episode. Snake lizard Ruru used to be a great sage named Ruru, who as a child one day frightened a classmate with a fake snake. In other words, he played a prank on his friend, scaring the bejesus out of him. So much so that his friend cursed him. Just as you made a powerless snake to frighten me, he says, so you shall become a powerless reptile. Sage child Ruru is like, sorry, dude, it was just a joke. Where's your sense of humor? Take your curse away. But as we have already learned in just the first few chapters of our text, curses do not go away. So the friend sighs and says, okay, fine. I'll mitigate it for you. You have to become a reptile. There's no way around that. But someday there'll be a man named Ruru who'll come along. And once you see him, you'll be free from the curse. Now I know what you're thinking. Wait, what? So this friend can read the future? He already knows that there will be snake-murdering Ruru who will eventually cross paths with lizard Ruru? who used to be prank-playing Muni-child Ruru way back when? How's that possible? 
That means he'd have to know about Pramodvara's death and resurrection, Ruru's subsequent career as snake executioner. Are we saying that this was all preordained? So when Brahmin Ruru was making his grand sacrifice for his wife, seemingly of absolute free will, this was all fated and someone in the long distant past already knew about it? But before your head explodes, let's return to Lizard Ruru, who is busy admonishing Brahmin Ruru. You're a Brahmin man, he tells Ruru. Act like it. Non-violence is the most important principle, and a Brahmin especially should be a refuge for people, one who saves others from harm. Don't you get it? Look at Astika. He was a Brahmin, and look at all he did to save people. Astika, says Ruru. Who's this Astika? And so we move to the story of Astika. In concluding, let's take stock of what these stories might be about. Why is the Mahabharata so obsessed with snakes? Well, first, like Alexander's army, we don't like to die. But equally importantly, snakes are a symbol of everything we fear and don't understand. So our untrained instinct as humans is to use our greater power to lash out with violence. We do this with animals even when there's no direct danger or injury to ourselves. Remember the dog story? So it seems like what the Mahabharata is saying in these stories is that dogs, snakes, lizards and all creatures are just enacting their nature. So our response to them should be proportionate and merciful. The Mahabharata is going to say a lot about violence, but the gist of it is that we need a thoughtful and measured approach to it. We can't eliminate it, nor is that even a good idea. On the other hand, the harm that we inflict should be limited to necessary harm, not random, emotional, flailing or capricious. If it's not necessary, it's just cruelty. So, let's think about that until we get to the story of Astika. If you'll join me again for the next episode of the Mahabharata.